Welcome to Be Flossom, the Good Enough Podcast. This show encourages entrepreneurs to embrace their flaws and be awesome, promote their business without shame on social media, and grow it to support the life they truly desire to live. I'm your host, Anita Kirkbride, social media trainer and brainstormer extraordinaire, founder of the Flossom League Social Media Academy for Business and Twerp Communications, Inc. Today, we are talking to Kelly Corkery. Kelly is the owner of Assorted Affair, and she is an organizer. Her approach is relaxed, practical, and filled with humor. Whether you need help with organizing your home or advanced planning paperwork, Kelly is here to help you. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you very much for the invite, Anita. I'm so excited to talk to you because in my Facebook group, Social Media for Twerps, we've even had a hashtag all about you. We've had hashtag be like Kelly. And so I'm excited to talk to you today and tell everybody why I want everybody to be like Kelly. <laughs> that was very flattering and it was very encouraging as well. Have you ever been a hashtag before? No, never. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's probably a good thing in most cases. Yeah. <laughs> So you and I met when you registered for the No BS Social Media Blueprint That's right. way back at the start of all this pandemic stuff. Tell us what was happening right then that brought you to the No BS Blueprint. Okay. So I guess I could say fear brought me there, but I was in the preface. I was right on the edge of launching my business and I really needed some guidance in terms of my social media approach and what platforms to use and how to use them, <laughs> what type of content, the audience, and how to do it. I had really no clue. My background, I came from the Nova Scotia Community College for many years, and I worked in really diverse teams. So if one individual didn't have the skill set needed, usually there was an expert somewhere that we could rely on and tap into. And I was really missing that as a solopreneur. I was feeling very lonely and really kind of adrift in the online needs for a small business. I knew it was very important and I built social media right into my business plan. I knew it was going to be critical for my type of business an organizing business, an advanced planning business. I knew that there was going to be a lot of education on the front end. I had to educate an audience about what I actually do. And I knew that social media was going to be one of the number one ways to reach an audience. So really, I came across the blueprint very timely. And it was, I believe, almost a year ago to the day, really, Anita, that I joined the program. It just gave me the courage to just go do it. Just be flossom, as you say, and go out and just do it. COVID is 2020 was many things to many people. But really for me, as someone with a new business, it was really a big opportunity for me because I had a captive audience and it really gave me an opportunity that time. Now, I didn't have any clients, but I had the opportunity to cultivate an audience through my content storytelling. So it really was a blessing for me because I was able to take the time to fumble through my 
Facebook posts. I started an Instagram account, Twitter, and even LinkedIn. So it really gave me time to build relationships with people online so they could read my story and I could help share their stories as well. It was a very challenging time, still is, brand new business. But through social media, I have been able to connect with a lot of people that I wouldn't have been able to reach otherwise. I recently did some client statistics and just to see where my clients are coming from. And 63% of my clients come from word of mouth referral. And of those clients, almost 89% of them have found me through social media platforms. That's no small percentage. That gives me a lot of encouragement that with my marketing content, my marketing strategy and storytelling, that I'm in the right direction. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So let's just back up. I want to make sure people understand this story. March 2020. Yes. Just as the pandemic is about to lock down. Well, I mean, it didn't really lock down the entire world right away, but it locked no. down our province sure pretty quickly and pretty hard. Yep. So just as the pandemic is hitting here, Kelly's launching a business, <laughs> right? But that's what I think people may not have understood about that is you hadn't actually launched your business fully when you and I met and you took the blueprint. You were just trying to start your business when the pandemic hit. Yep, exactly. And I was intending to launch it in April. That was my plan. And I thought, you know what? If I don't do this now, we can't predict what's going to happen in the future. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to launch it anyway. I knew that there was not a chance in hell that someone's going to let me into their house and dig through their things and help them declutter and organize and simplify. That probably wasn't going to happen, but I knew I had to get the ball rolling. It was a new business, but as I mentioned before, there was an education piece around what I do and services I provide, and it can make people uncomfortable you know, someone coming into their home. So I have really had to establish that trust. And I did that in part through using my social media. When you took the blueprint, you did a piece of homework because we give homework every night to make sure that people are taking action right away. What was the big homework that you did? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. So I have been sitting on the fence about writing a blog for probably 10 years. And I was just really kind of chicken shit about it. You know, I didn't think I had anything important to say, self-doubt, you know, <sighs> life events had shaken me, but I had a lot of experiences that I really thought I could share. And I've always been a private writer. I just took a leap of faith. I had my website shell already developed. So I thought, well, what the heck? I'm going to write my very first blog post. And I wrote my blog post. And I can remember that just <sighs> anxiety of, okay, I'm putting myself out there. I'm opening myself up to critique, you know, negative comments, whatever. And just hitting that publish button anyway. I did it. And I shared it. I didn't have a Facebook business page at that point. <laughs> so I shared it through my personal Facebook page. And the reception was incredible. It was so supportive and loving. And in addition to that, a local editor picked up on it and requested that I contribute 
to a local newspaper, the Eastern Shore Cooperator, which amazingly, it's delivered to like 15,000 households in my immediate target market area. It was a big score for me. And it was one of those initial wins, those early wins that as an entrepreneur are very encouraging to have that level of support and recognition so early out of the gate to continue, to go on, to keep writing and keep sharing and keep being wickedly vulnerable. Did that become a regular newspaper column for you? So as a result of that initial blog, I wrote a proposal and they accepted my proposal. So I am now a regular contributor to this local publication. So I write an advice column called Ask an Organizer on a monthly basis. And again, it's going directly to the clients, my target clients in this area. So I'm on the Eastern Shore. That's where I'm located, the Eastern Shore of Nova Scotia. And I can tell you, I had recently visited a client and the thrill I got when I walked into her kitchen, it was so sweet. She had my ad cut out of the paper and stuck on the fridge. It just gave me such a thrill (laughs) to see that. And that was all a result of me being brave and me willing to risk not being perfect and being flossom. We're going to embrace that and just doing it. Here we are a year later. And now I have an editor. (laughs) So cool. I'm a published writer. And all because you did some homework in a free course. You were determined you were going to make this business work. And even though you knew you couldn't do the work right then, you couldn't do the work of going into people's houses because it was locked down. You were doing all the other work to build it up to that point. What else did you do for content in the meantime before you were able to go to people's houses? So I organized my house. (laughs) I organized (laughs) and documented it and recorded it. I organized everything in my house. I did a pantry reorganization and I blogged about it. I did closet purging and blogged about it. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Everything you can imagine, I organized. I did my kid's room declutter. My youngest child is neurodiverse. He has ADHD. So I had a great opportunity to do a lot of research because people with ADHD and other executive functioning challenges organized very differently. And I was able to do a complete room renovation on a tiny budget, also very limited because we were so restricted. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't get anything. So I really had to work with what I had. And I completely flipped his room. And for an individual who like Levi, my youngest, and now he can access everything. Everything's more to his organization, the way his brain works. So yeah, that's what I did. And I also had some wonderful friends in the bubble who graciously let me organize their things too and document it. And when you say document, I mean, I've been following you all along, of course, but Tell us, what did you do to document it and how did you share that content? Sure. So to start off, it was a lot of writing because I was very comfortable with writing. So I was writing and telling sort of story arcs, if you will, just like mini story arcs. And that really evolved into, you know, documenting it with 
photographs and pictures. And then I know because I've done research and in taking the blueprint course, the importance of video on the various platforms and the popularity and the age groups that follow videos, et cetera, et cetera. So I knew that I needed to engage my audience with more video. So I started with videos and honestly, using my cell phone, <laughs> that's how I started. I didn't have anything fancy. I still really don't have anything fancy. I'd love a microphone. That's something I'm going to go for. I will eventually get there. I did purchase one of those really cheapy, cheapy halo lights, but that's sort of all I needed at the moment. Came on a tripod and I just started taking video. Now, this was also strategic on my part, because if you look at other professional organizers, you're going to see some pretty glam shots. You're going to see light boxes and lots of whites and pastels and clear acrylic color coordinated boxes. And you're going to see a lot of the afters. You're going to see the before and afters. You're not going to see that messy middle. And that was never part of my strategy. That's not real to me. So I really started recording that messy bit, that real life part, the piles of crap, not actual crap. Haven't encountered that yet. Other than, you know, the occasional mouse dropping, we're fine. And really getting into the meat of things because that's real life. That's what people are experiencing every day. They're seeing the laundry build up. They're opening up their cupboard and Tupperware comes tumbling out. That's the real stuff. It's not the before and after pictures. So I really got into that. That's where I focus. So you're going to look at my Instagram account or even like my Twitter or Facebook. You're not going to see the perfectly positioned, well-lit, high-quality audio videos and pictures. You're going to see me taking the best possible picture I can, which isn't great. but. It's the story that is attached to it and the people behind that story that really connects with people. Mm -hmm. That's great. I remember, I think probably your first video might have been Levi's room reveal. Yeah, I think so. I remember watching it going, okay, she's actually, she's doing it. Yay. Yeah. She's, she's doing it. She's going for it. And the camera was a little shaky. And I think you had to flip it midway from talking, yep. from looking at you to looking at the bedroom. And it was a little, you know, it was a little awkward, but it was your first one. Yep. And so now because you did that first one, now every time you do it, you're getting better, right? A little bit better. Yeah. And that's another challenge for me too, is that my husband calls me the one take wonder because I am quite terrified of editing. So I try to do things on one take. And I, you know, sometimes I swear, sometimes my knees crack and pop when I'm kneeling down or whatever, and I just go with it. But that's something that I want to achieve is maybe a little bit better equipment when I can afford it and when it makes sense and to get into some more editing so I can do, you know, like fast forward and cut out inappropriate things or whatever. That's definitely something that I'm working toward. But as you know, when you're a business owner, you have a lot of things on the go. And the last thing I honestly want to do is sit down and spend hours and hours and hours editing. But realistically, I also know that I need to learn to do that a little bit more. 
or you get to the point where you hire somebody. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. (laughs) Yeah, I love doing these podcasts and I love talking to people about their stories. I hate editing. So I have an editor for this. Hi, Leanne. (laughs) She is going to make it so that I can actually do the part of the work that I like to do. So sometimes we have to do that. So it sounds to me like it's a fairly conscious decision now for you to be flossom when you create content. Yep. Do you find it difficult? Like, is it just coming natural to you now to go ahead and make your content and not worry about imperfections? Or is it still difficult to not be perfect? The audience can't see me, but I'm just nodding my head. Yes, it's very comfortable for me (laughs) to be flossom. And it's natural. I don't want to project myself in a way that is anything but authentically who I am. And as an organizer, my house is lived in, things get messy, life is messy. I want people to understand that I'm not trying to project an image of perfection. So yeah, I'm not perfect at all. And that's, I believe, very real part of how people connect with me is that, oh, I'm approachable. I'm a real human being. You know, I have my own challenges and I share those challenges. A lot of my challenges make it into my social media because I'm hearing feedback from clients, from followers who are saying, this is so relatable. Yes. And now that's how I know I'm onto something. That's how I know being flossom and imperfect is the direction that I should be taking. There's a big difference. I mean, I don't watch a lot of HGTV kind of stuff, but I have watched some of those shows where they use the perfectly coordinated colored bins or the translucent plastic bins to organize everything perfectly. And they're in a celebrity's home who has four closets. And yeah, I can't relate to that. No, but I can relate to Kelly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd much rather work with somebody I can relate to. Absolutely. Yep. Is there a particular story or thing that you put on social media that you were most scared to reveal or most worried that the flossum was going to be too much for everybody that you did anyway, and it worked out really well? I think with one of my other services that I provide, Anita, is helping people organize for end of life. So not a funeral planner, but helping get their paperwork in place. So basically helping them get their shit together for a life less complicated and a death less complicated. And people don't like to talk about death. Okay. It's not the coolest subject. It's a bit taboo. It makes people very uncomfortable and it can be awkward, but guess what? We're all going to die. And I've just seen so many situations where just a little pre-planning and a few honest and open, sensible conversations would have saved so much stress and anxiety, not necessarily grief, but it just would have saved the loved ones and family left behind a lot less stress and anxiety. So I openly talk about death and dying and planning about dying and reminding people that they're going to die. And people still follow me. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a bit of a downer. (laughs) Yeah, right. I have to approach it with, obviously, with some humor. 
attached to it for sure. That's my personal brand is, you know, there's a little humor infused in my content and storytelling, but yeah, talking about death and dying. So really for me, something that I was like quite concerned about is how are people going to take this? So I share my very personal experiences with the loss of my mother. Well, I didn't lose my mother. She's not behind the couch. She died. (laughs) Okay. So I just shared how with mom's death, how we had prepared as a family and how it made things a little easier. And we were able to fulfill all of her personal wishes and how it just, it helps heal and make things a little smoother. And sharing that, it's very intimate. It's very personal and can be painful at times, but I felt it was very necessary. And I was very concerned about how people would react because here's this organizer now talking about death and dying and weird, uncomfortable things. But really, people have been quite receptive of it. And I do have people who follow me specifically for the deathy things. And then I have people who follow me for the organizing things. So melding the two has been a bit of a challenge for sure. Well, if you think about it, I mean, organizers are often brought in at the end of life to organize an estate or an Mm -hmm. estate sale or organize the house or clean out the house or things like that. Absolutely. They're very closely related. But with trying to educate people about advanced planning, you can have plans in place before this happens. So you're not going, okay, what do we do now? We need to get this house cleared out. We need to do this, do that, do the other thing. And who do we turn to? So talking about it and planning it and having those conversations now as uncomfortable and weird as they may be, really a very sensible thing to do. How do you go about coming up with the ideas for your content? I'm looking at your Facebook page here and I see some woman throwing a pile of clothes up in the air and laughing. How do you come up with the ideas to do these things? Sure. So a lot of my ideas come from my clients. And just as a caveat, that is my sister. I have to say that's my sister, Jennifer. And she graciously, she needed her closet cleaned out. We do this on average. We'll probably do it three or four times a year. And we'll go into her closet and my closet. And we basically do the process that I would do with an actual paying client, go through her things. And there's a fashion show on occasion. So she let me record that, which was brilliant. And I actually have a recording of the entire one hour event that it took that I will probably use at some point as well. So when it comes to my ideas, again, my clients do inspire me, but I try to be quite thematic. So, and usually those themes are really apparent to me, or I do a lot of research. Like I look at what the competition is doing. I look at what other organizers from different parts of the country or the world are doing as well. And so I, I use those posts for inspiration as well, just using my own take, but frequently it really is my clients because their stories are so powerful and they're unique to the client and the individual. 
but the story isn't unique just to one person. It really touches a lot of people and a lot of people can, that's, this is the word again, relate to that story. So I really use those stories. And sometimes my clients don't allow me to take pictures or document and that's fine. Absolutely. I have explicit consent. We have non-disclosure agreements, all of that stuff, all of that good legal stuff to protect me and my clients. But graciously, people are so wonderfully gracious and open. And a lot of my clients do allow me to take pictures, video, and to retell their story. I look in terms of planning. I have a weekly idea of my story arc or my theme, and I try to plan in realistically for me, it's been about like one or two months in advance that I look, but like sometimes I'll have something planned for the week and then just be so inspired and fired up that I I want to share that as well. And I can do that because it's my business. (laughs) (laughs) And because you're flossom. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. So you've been at this for about a year. You've been very active on social media for about a year now. And a lot of people would look at your content and go, well, she's obviously very comfortable on camera. Have you in a year had anything backfire for you? Have you put anything up where people just said, oh, you should not have shared that? (laughs) You don't have to tell us what it was, but tell us about the experience. And maybe there isn't. Not really. That's actually what I was hoping you would say, because I think a lot of people, their fear over getting into social media is that they're going to have backlash. They're going to do something wrong. They're going to say something wrong. People are going to say, oh, you shouldn't have shared that. No, I've never really had that experience. And honestly, no one has ever critiqued me on my shitty camera skills, my terrible audio, my hand talking that I do, the way I dress, the way I speak. No one has criticized me in any way, really, in terms of my recording skills at all. Well, that's awesome, because that just shows people that there's not as much to be scared about as we might think. Are you following anybody else on social media that really inspires you to be Flossom, to show imperfect things? I love Erin Trafford. I think she's fantastic. She's like a fantastic storyteller and she's very real and very, I'll use the word vulnerable again. She shares a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And I've heard you say behind the scenes content a lot too. And that people want to see that. They want to see that messy bit, that junk. But Erin's in the middle of a complete rebrand, just like you are, Anita. Like she's reinventing herself again. And really what a beautiful thing that (laughs) we get to do that. We get to reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we get to rebrand. We get to change our logos. We get to update our websites. We get to do that. I love that. There's really nothing in any business that is static. Before we hit record, we were talking about our websites. Yes. And you're saying that even though you're only a year in business, your website needs a complete overhaul again. Complete audit, complete overhaul. Yep. Basically, I've been using it as a vehicle to drive my blog and the contact form. Other than that, my website is not doing the things I want my website to do. But I didn't know that then. 
I know that now and I know the direction that I want to take that in. You know, I want to be able to offer an email list or newsletter list. I want to offer downloadable freebies. Like I know that now. And I have those stories and that content built up enough now that I can offer that. It takes time. It does take time. But again, in just one year, that's changed. Yeah. I mean, as you said, I'm going through a complete rebrand. My website is under complete overhaul for the fourth time in 10 years. Right. So anybody that thinks if you're letting your website hold you back from starting, launching, announcing your business, just know that that is going to change. Maybe a year down the road, you're going to realize all the things you didn't know when you started your business and your website has to change. Or maybe three or four years down the road, you realize, oh, this website just isn't organized the way I want, or it's not branded the way I want, or I need it to do something different, or it's too slow, or all kinds of things. And when I say I've done four websites, I mean four complete from scratch redesign websites, not just changing out the content, but completely rebuilding my website four times in 10 years. Websites are not static. And as your business grows, what you need from your website changes. That's a really important point for people because I think I hear all the time, well, I can't announce my business till I have a website. Well, just put something up because it's going to change anyway. Very true. And the same goes with any of your social media. All of your social media is going to change and it should change. It should grow with you. Absolutely. And another thing that I've learned is it takes time for everything to grow and develop an audience and develop relationships that's more important than my audience numbers is the actual connection and relationships that I make with people. And I've just had the grace of time and people locked in at home and spending a lot more time on social media that I've been able to connect more fully with people. But also I've been able to test my audiences on the various platforms. For example, I did a lot of testing in LinkedIn and really not getting what I'm looking for there. That's not necessarily my audience, but building my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I've been able to narrow down and I've been told you should do TikTok. You should do Snapchat. You should, 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 and shit. Like, no, like I'm being very strategic about the time that I have to spend on these things and also run a business and be a mom and wash the dishes and et cetera, et cetera. Like you could spend all day and night on social media, but it doesn't mean that it's effective or the right thing to do. Absolutely. A lot of people think that you have to be everywhere. Clubhouse is the new rage right now, right? Everybody's talking about Clubhouse. I got to get on Clubhouse. I've got to have a show on Clubhouse. I can't even get on Clubhouse because I'm an Android user and it's not available to Android users. So Clubhouse is not available to 80% of mobile phone users. Right. 80% of the population cannot access Clubhouse. So yeah, absolutely. If you're an iPhone person and you think you like the idea of that, go check it out. But don't, I see so many people freaking out about the fact that they are there and they have, it sounds like a great platform, but 80% of your market is not there. That's right. And that's something that I've been teaching myself is SEO, search engine optimization. 
something that's very important if you're going to be spending time on the internet and you want people to find you and looking at my website statistics where my audience comes from it's over 90 percent come from a mobile phone because of that i design things a certain way or i'll use graphics a certain way because most of my audience is being reached they're checking me out on their cell phone that's a really important one if you've got google analytics installed you can look at that and probably even see if they are iphone or android yeah and where extent. they're coming from too I look at mine to see which of the networks is bringing me the most traffic. I know that Facebook brings me the most traffic and that Pinterest is my number two traffic driver right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Pinterest, not Twitter. I get very little traffic to my website from Twitter to the point where it almost makes me wonder if I should stop posting my business stuff on Twitter. I'm there to build relationships and I have great conversations exactly. on Twitter and it's still my favorite network but maybe it's not the right one for me for promoting my business. So it is important that you look at that stuff because I like to tell people you need to go to the network where your audience is hanging out already. You learn to use their network rather than try and drag your audience over to the network that you like. I could promote all day on Twitter, but if my audience is a Facebook and an Instagram audience and they don't get Twitter, then I'm wasting my time on Twitter. Okay, so I want to ask you one more question before we stop today. And that is, what is your number one tip for somebody who is thinking of starting a business or they're just about ready to launch and the fear is holding them back from all this promotion? What's your number one tip for them? I would say you can plan your business till the cows come home. You can write the bomb business plan. You could have 50 pages of research and stats, but until you talk to people, then you don't know if your idea or your business service or product is truly needed or wanted. So my advice, and this is coming from facilitator, instructor, educator, Kelly, is talk to people. Don't be afraid to talk to people, get their feedback. People are so happy to share their opinions. <laughs> good or bad. And you need that feedback because it's going to help you change and strengthen and grow your product or service. Talk to people, always get feedback, always be learning, always be taking in their information and you're touching base with your audience. Talk to people who are, you think are your clients or you think might be your clients or people who aren't even your clients. You, you just, it's free. Talk to people. And hey, guess what? They're learning about your business too. And they're going to remember that you're listening to them. And they're going to see you implementing parts of those conversations as well. And they're going to remember that. They're going to remember you. Audience research, customer research is probably the most underused tactic in marketing or in business development. I've seen companies fail because they just did not have a service that people needed or wanted. We see online courses all the time or online products all the time fail because they didn't do, it's not because they didn't do their promotion right. It's because they had something that nobody wanted. And I have fallen victim to this too. I tried for years to 
sell a book and a course on how to use Hootsuite. But clearly people did not need it because I could not sell that thing. (laughs) I didn't do my customer research. It wasn't a product people needed. And you can do all the research you want, but unless you're actually connecting with the people that want your service or product, then what's the point? You have a beautifully written document, essentially, and no paying customers, no paying clients. Yeah. So really research is important and connecting with your audience is critical. And unbiased research where you actually listen to what people are saying not just go into it looking for the confirmation of the idea you already have. Bazinga. Yeah. (laughs) Assumptions, assuming. Yeah, absolutely. We see a lot of that. All right. Well, thank you, Kelly, for joining me today. This was a great conversation. And I'm so happy to see how your business has grown to the point where you need a whole new website already. And all of your success with the writing. And I love following your content because it's always interesting and humorous. And it's just my kind of humor. Tell us where's the best place for people to find you online if they want to see what you're doing. I'm very active on Facebook. So you can find me there under Assorted Affair, Instagram and Twitter. But also I write a regular blog. So you can follow me on my website as well. Uh, sortedaffair.ca. There are future plans for perhaps a YouTube channel. Well, that shall be interesting. (laughs) Put my big girl editing panties on. Well, now that you've told us, you know, sometimes the best way to get something done is just to tell people publicly that you're going to do it. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will be watching for that new YouTube channel to come out and Who knows? Maybe next you'll have a TV show. Wow. (laughs) I have a few series in mind. That's true. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. I really enjoyed this conversation and I want to encourage our listeners to hashtag be like Kelly. And if you do something that was inspired by today's conversation, tag me and tag Kelly and use the hashtag be like Kelly to tell us that you got the message and we would love to interact with you and support you in being Flossom and getting the word out there. Thank you for joining me and I will see you guys again next week with another inspiring entrepreneur. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Be Flossom, the Good Enough podcast. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode when I'll be talking to another perfectly imperfect entrepreneur. If you're looking for the show notes, head on over to beflossom.ca, where you'll also find all the links to connect with today's guest.